0: This is Shaka Speak.
1: 80s cartoon that you want to watch. Yeah. Any configuration, any S- Still based
2: on your prior knowledge. Yeah. Still based on your prior knowledge, though.
1: Well, that's the great question. Of so what happens when you don't have prior knowledge? Is at what point does it become...
0: What, what if I asked Jet, ChatGBT to write me an AI program for an AI that was completely separate from human involvement? you get coding.
1: Well, I mean, You just, just wouldn't get anything.
0: Well, you couldn't get anything. Yep. <laughs> like, I wonder what the answer would be. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, that's fine.
1: it's fine. Uh, those are the sorts of questions. Like, you have people who are saying they're uh, AI prompt engineers, and they don't realize that the AIs will be able to create prompts for us. Dude,
0: that's, they're so... So you have, like, this whole
1: infinite recursion element to it.
0: So this is this is crass. I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and say it, but I can't think of a better metaphor for somebody whose job is an AI prompt engineer is like uh, like a fluffer in the adult industry.
2: Whoa, dude. You just went there. I'm just saying. <laughs> Whoa, dude. Am I wrong? I don't even exactly know what that means, but I don't want you to describe it. But I think I know what it
1: means. My kids listen to this podcast, so you definitely are not cannot say to describe it. it. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> so. Oh, well, I'm not saying that we're, this is pre edited We're talking about,
1: Oh no! This is on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're
0: here. No, we're not. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, this we're this not pre-recording. We're recording. We're recording. We're going. I am recording. So welcome to Choco
2: Art We're back. What's up, and y'all? Today's going to be a wild episode yeah. because I've, I'm fired I've got up a PhD. right now. Today's going to be the
1: return of the Jedi of this series. Yeah,
2: Cody has to go pee, and that's going to make him crazy because he's holding it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Gareth that's what it, is I, on a two-week bender so <laughs> so tired. of deep south home food. Yes. And a lot of driving. So he's perfectly pitched to hey, say up, things everybody? that are He's perfectly pitched to say the things he just said. <laughs> and the question is, how do we clean up the spill on aisle five? So what I think what I think we do is we That's just talk real. about how you um you have to do some uh pitching in the pitcher's bowl before yeah. you go out and pitch the game. Hundred percent. And yeah, there's yeah, a catcher yeah. there helping you get your pitch right. So Yes. So uh, so, so you know that's kind of what we're talking about. so here um, we are. here we are,
0: <laughs> Hey, what's up, people?
2: Yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I was fully anticipating pre uh, podcast conversation you know. there. There's a window for, but we to-
2: just figured, you know what we need we need to spice it up. We're back. We're all that. It's been a while.
0: yeah, things have gone on in people's lives
2: yeah, yeah. i'm I'm back up twenty five pounds. So I gotta get back hey man, down, guys. That's I'm, where I'm at. I'm,
1: I'm working your way. Okay. <laughs> you know Cody, what's funny? Cody she hasn't can... gained or lost any weight in, I've, in the I last twenty. I put on my jeans today, and I was like, "These jeans are so tight." Get out of here! And yeah, me yeah. and my wife agreed. I haven't gained any weight. No, it's so just it's clearly jeans some issue with like my jeans just shrunk in the wash. Yeah. Your jeans would be tight. Jeans, jeans have, that I've had like a year. you're 28, right? I'm 28. Yeah. Yeah, you haven't grown. You haven't gained any weight in
0: 28 years, dude. Dude, I in 28 years I have.
1: Cody weighs eight pounds,
0: ounces. Cody weighs eight pounds, 11 ounces. Yes, okay.
2: yeah. 8, 11 ounces.
1: That's, <laughs> That's actually not the, actually. <laughs> I was nine pounds, four ounces when I was. Oh,
0: born. okay, cool. I love the
1: idea of I love the idea that that was his nickname, but
2: we were like, we just can't say that all the time. So Cody Spice was, you know, Cody Spice was the default.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we've been just calling him nine pounds. 4 did ounce. you just clarify, Cody? Yes. Oh, dude, you did clarify it.
2: Hello. <laughs> so now that Cody's clarified, we can we can get, move we can on move to things. On. Yeah, that's that's how you know we're back. Cody clarified that's his weight. clarified his weight. Actually is my birth, birth weight. You like how he caught that?
3: Let me clarify.
2: Hello.
3: Cody clarifies.
0: Ah, yeah, this is good. <laughs> yeah, I, how long has it been since really all three of us have been here? It's been it's um, been a few months. It's been a few months. Yeah, has it? It's been yeah, a few yeah, because
1: because my work schedule kicked off five yeah. days a week, and that that kicked me out of the game. Yeah, and then
0: between one or both, all of us <laughs> being around, I don't know if you have noticed a spotty schedule we've had.
2: Yeah, we've been we've been working on some things, doing some things in the semester, job, sickness, family, yeah, yeah. Um, exhibitions, just just a lot of. A lot of stuff going on, so yeah. so we're uh, but we're back today.
0: We are back. And this is a any- good time to be back.
2: Yeah, anybody who's still listening, God bless you.
0: Yeah, thanks.
2: <laughs> uh, thanks for still really? listening. I, I actually was gonna yeah. share some text with you guys, but I'll, I'll wait. Uh, that barrel on, on our, our podcast, but I'll also- stop. I'll share after, but shout out to anybody who's listening for sure. Yeah, yeah for real. So, um, <laughs> so we're picking up with the AI conversation. Yeah, yeah, we've been in it for
0: a couple episodes. Yeah. yeah.
2: And so, where do we, where do we, yeah. um, we left off with talking about.
0: We were
1: talking about the effects <laughs> that AI is going to have on certain entertainment industries, um, the way that actors are going to license out their likenesses and the long games yeah. that we're never, we're not really even going to need specific meat space. Individuals mm-hmm. for personalities anymore because everything's just gonna eventually we'll get a big enough bank of like actors and desirable traits and things like that. Yes. You can just say, "Hey, AI, I want um, a romantic action film with some science fiction elements and a twist at the end. That's got a likable male lead who's about six foot three and has green eyes, and you know, yada yada yada, <laughs> and hits these." you know, diversity well, points I think and it'll just spit out
0: a film for you. I think one point is if anybody's out there, they're kind of saying, Hey, this feels very like kind of down in the mouth, like very pessimistic, very cynical. It's Cause it is. Well, but I also, I think it's a fairly positivistic thing. We've still said that there's a chance that humans will have the ability to choose those things. That yeah. They won't just be force fed to us. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you but know, you're, which,
2: you're, yeah, I mean like choi- choice, will still be there, but it's always predicated on what's there to choose. Oh, I'm so, saying maybe yeah. it's not. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm yeah, saying,
0: yeah. you know, once you, once you, uh, wholeheartedly give yourself to a no uh, soulless sort of thing. Like, yes. like you're not choosing anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, I always think back to um, the movie Wally, where you have all the people living on the ship mm-hmm. and it goes throughout the day and it's just like, today the new special milkshake is... Strawberry. Birthday cake. Yeah. Go get your yeah. thing in a cup. Or today red is the new blue. And everyone like presses a button and changes their outfits mm-hmm. to yep. red. I, I,
2: I remain... Uh, uh, wall was either predictive programming or
1: very prophetic or both yeah yeah. yeah. but uh, in the sense of like pe- the people have gotten to the point where what used to be choice at the beginning of their voyage is now decreed
0: to them at the end of their voyage 100% and so, not just decree to but decreed to you like a, a, a very benevolent thing it's a benevolent thing look at, look at what we're giving you yeah, yeah. so the gloves are off today
2: I'm going unbridled today fellas I'm sorry <laughs> oh, taking, you taking you say down taking you down
0: unbridled on
2: unbridled
1: okay I'm unbridled yes, yes.
2: today. We're going to we're going to take the gloves off completely. There's no going back. I'm taking you guys down with me. <laughs> were they white gloves or leather gloves? I mean, we'll, we'll find out based on how hard they hit. Um, well, let's uh okay, where but, do we want to start well, this? one thing I wanted to say was as a as a, a summary of the podcast, like what we talked about. It's going to be ad hoc, but bear with me. So, in the flow of visual communication in art history, you have cave drawings. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm going to make some big leaps, okay? You have cave drawings, and then you have, um, uh, let's say... Phrases and sculpture. Well, no, so let's say um, hieroglyphs. Mm-hmm. So you start to have imagery that has uh, more order and symbolic value to it, but it's predicated on um, the independent units and the social structure in a certain sense, right? Like, mm-hmm. so who, who's Pharaoh? Like, So that everything is on a planar, flat existence, right? Mm-hmm okay so you got tapestry like think, just think about just stay with me and think about this so you get to renaissance and there's still like actual space is not depicted in the fullest naturalistic sense that it could be conveyed because they haven't quite figured that out yet but they are allegorizing there uh, there's analogy There's metaphor mm-hmm. you know and there's um relationships happening visually right Mm -hmm. and there's a longing for something closer to reality so you have like uh linear perspective and things like this right and but then you get to the baroque and then you have like um, um uh light organizing space situating form A lot of the same motifs but a fully integrated sort of approach to painting right and imaging Mm -hmm. and that becomes sort of like you get to Velazquez and for a time like Velazquez was like the apex of something so you have like you know just think about you can you can cherry-pick you could disagree with me we could talk about um, like uh, Las Meninas is is, um, arguably one of the most historically complicated and profound paintings for a a million reasons Mm -hmm. So so stylistically you keep moving right and you get through to some deconstruction and stuff. You start to get to like uh, impressionism, which is like I don't want to hide the brushstroke, but I want to get at the uh, the animation of things. I want to get at the impermanence of things through that which appears permanent Mm -hmm. right and so we keep moving and, and these render different effects and just describing here very loosely right. So you have still people doing the other things right but there's a, a way that we've narrated the visual trajectory of how we've developed skills and ideas visually in terms of communication and aesthetics and artistry. So you have people that are like, I, I don't want to manner things. I want to, I want this to feel closer to reality, which means I have to sacrifice one thing for another. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as you keep pressing, you get into like this sort of sublime romantic transcendentals and you get like, um, beard stud, and you get like, um, hyper, reality you get um fantasy reality that doesn't feel like fantasy mm-hmm. because it, it it's so voluminous and rich and um and and so like boom right so then we then I'll get to like where that goes cuz then it goes to modernism mm-hmm. postmodernism and deconstructionism right okay so is that is that at least reasonable as sure. a kind of real yeah, cheap sure. cheap narrative yeah. okay um video games you mm-hmm. start with what pong pong is like what <laughs> cave painting yeah, yeah so then you get to donkey kong what is donkey kong donkey kong is like uh egyptian hieroglyphs mm-hmm. you with me mm-hmm. so we keep going right so we get to rambo and you're you're looking at renaissance or mario brothers like like so spaces start to become a little more mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and then we get we get to what so we get through to what when what what's the natural trajectory what what was um assassin's creed yeah, yeah. What is Assassin's Creed? Assassin's Creed. Look at the landscapes. Mm-hmm. They're like Beardstead. Yeah. Landscapes, hyper-reality, p- pushing for hyper-reality, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and then we, we get to the cliff of hyper-reality, then what do we do? We break Immersive. it. We break it. We break it. Yeah, at some point we break it. So what do we do? We, we reset. So like what happens after, we, we go through a phase of getting bored with the perceived obtaining of hyper-reality and we start to unravel it. Mm, that's okay yeah, yeah. so so um now stay with me so so when Jurassic park hits that's Beerstad. Mm-hmm. yeah okay so then what happens so keep going so we get to movies we get to a place where we start doing dumb stuff we're bored with hyper reality mm-hmm. so then you make sharknado and people like it yeah so we get dumb after we get hyper real does that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. seem fair. Like I mean, I, I know I'm making huge leaps here, but what am I trying to say is there's a cycle in the way we develop visual communication that runs these courses. The difference is the history of video games happens far faster through the same phases. You even have people that get nostalgic and they try to go back and make 16 bit and mm-hmm. you know 8 bit and you know and go back and recapture well, Pong.
1: Um, what Galgans who want to go to the the islands and find the primitive peoples and say, wasn't it so much better? Yeah. Wasn't we it better? That's the key. That's the key. Hacking Keith. out religious masks. Yeah.
2: The person who's doing Keith Haring right now when Keith Haring was doing it, yeah. it as an appeal back to like uh, simple science and communication mm-hmm. to try to simplify things like, 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 you know, I'm not talking about desires I'm just talking about actions and what was mm-hmm. done. So what am I saying? Well, now let's talk about, um, uh, 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 in computers and Mm -hmm. technology and we always have the same ambition augmented virtual hyper reality Mm -hmm. so we've been living in mario wearing a raccoon suit for a while (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like it's real enough but it ain't real and there's people that are behind it going "No, we need to make this so convincing we can't tell the difference that's what beardstead wanted to do that's what Jurassic Park wanted to do, and that's what's happening now,
1: right? Mm-hmm. So that's our, our visual framing. Well, that's even just sort of the conception of the Turing test. Yes. Is the idea of can we make a computer that you can't tell it's a computer when you're that's interacting right. with it on a textual mm-hmm.
2: level. So to now jump over one more lane, and that's what we've been doing with artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what happens at the end of each of those is it... like So it landed the sublime romantics and um you know in the modernist reaction and it landed it landed um it's disillusionment it's disillusionment it becomes it becomes um so things you know uh things become minimalistic things things become reductionistic uh there's a push between escape and reality and then disillusionment leads to a disillusioned state of embrace of reality so not an optimistic reality but a frustration with Propositions that were never real to begin with. Mm-hmm. So instead of admitting I was looking for something in somewhere where it couldn't deliver, we just embrace harder. Um, you know, doing you know fluxus uh, uh, actions, divorced from reality, because you're you're not willing to admit you were totally wrong mm-hmm. and ever looking for transcendence within a thing. It's uh-huh. like a betrayal. Betrayal. Yes. But instead of admitting your betrayal, you hunker down in this reality and you rebel hard in this direction so you don't celebrate the fact that that painting isn't delivering you into ultimate reality you're actually bitter about it and you know and so then for a while we make bitter expressions and do bitter things that further the dehumanization that we've talked about Mm -hmm. so like that's what humans seem to do and 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 like I could if you gave me like a year to teach a class on this I could like index and and lay out timelines and you know get very historical and, and and do a tight job on the uh, large persistence of this this behavior and then you can talk about how economy and first world third world, you know uh, realities keep people locked into certain states of expression. So we could talk about like power distribution and why some parts of the world never um, don't function in a narrative framework that drives them towards this false idea of progress. Mm -hmm. So therefore you can say well, yeah, but not everybody does that right. But um, under the right circumstances, they would um, because like the Internet is uh, the Internet has shown us that like there's mm-hmm. like I've seen kids in Nigeria that that have nothing that are like hyper realist painters. Mm-hmm. And it's mind blowing. They're like as good as you can ask for and and they've got a glimpse of it. They they saw it. So they chose it. So so if you can't see it, you can't choose it. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to kind of like say that it's not in isolation that I have reservations about where we're headed Mm -hmm. it is that history repeats itself in the way that we develop what we think is a proxy for reality or adjacent to this is this is like what we do the question is why do we do it and that's one of my big questions why do we do it and that's why I said that I have to just kind of like say it straight from my perspective at least you know Mm -hmm. but but just to kind of you know y'all can push like if that makes sense I feel like I'm probably missing things but just as to try to summarize as quickly as I can to give us context for how we're thinking about this. So that it's not just, I'm not, we're not just talking out of an opinion. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, I'm appealing to what I've seen repeatedly. Yeah, yeah. And we do the same thing, but in slower in smaller intervals of time by comparison. Yeah. So we are at the unravel state. We're at the disillusionment state. Mm-hmm. We're unraveling ourselves Yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, Frankensteining ourselves mm-hmm. completely. And so um, we're past the romantic, Realism phase,
3: uh-huh.
2: we're actually dipping into the full deconstruction phase, um, and that, that so that creates fra- further fragmentation. The question is, the fragmentation becomes uh, at a greater cost, and so the more fragmented we are, the less capable we are of Humpty Dumpty putting himself back together again. The more likely we are to cry out for something or someone else to put us back together again.
0: Yeah. Yes, that's where I think we're at. If yeah. like if that makes sense, yeah, I think you know if you look back on like the kind of emergence of like the deconstructivist sort of thought pattern out of continental philosophy. And you, you look at like what's going on, like you can make the case that like that mode of thinking was a, was a valid mode, uh, you know, for, for understanding complex social, um, systems for, for trying to make sense of, uh, complex political systems, you know, too much focus on the whole instead of the parts. Like there's a, there's a mental framework where it makes sense Mm -hmm. the start of that. It goes off the rails in a lot of ways. Um, but I think one of the things that, um, you know, with with devolution and a lot of stuff you're talking about uh, in this timeline, Ryan, is there's a there's a as we move toward a thing that's external, like that's also a, if you think of it almost like a triangulation of like as as I am moving towards an external reality, that mm-hmm. means I'm also moving in a disembodied way towards it. Um, so that what I'm doing is like as I as I fail to be like human and Mm -hmm. I'm just destroying everything around me or moving towards some external thing. Mm -hmm. Like that thing is asking me to give up things about myself Mm -hmm. in order to do it. So stick with me. And and if this is stupid, just whatever it's, you know, let me know. Um, But even like when we're looking at something like hyper-realistic portraiture or hyper-realistic, whatever, like there's, there's something like we're asking ourselves to like, to kind of take a few passes at things, right? Because like even the most hyper-realistic thing we've seen, if we spend time with it, we can say, that's not, that's not real. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it could be something as basic as like, I know it's not real because it's on the wall of a gallery or museum. Mm-hmm. But also if you go into a hyper-realistic section, you know, these hyper-realistic painters of the eighties and nineties, and you look at their stuff, like you can spend enough time with to say like, this isn't quite it. hmm but still, for me to call it a hyper-realism, I have to give up a little bit. I have to concede a little bit of what it mm-hmm. means to be real to make that assertion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to transfer
2: a little bit of charity over onto the thing.
0: So there is you this, know, like... Willful
2: suspension of, like, you have to suspend the difference, and you have to deny your knowledge. You have to become willfully
0: ignorant. And, like, so let's say we do this over the course of, like, four four decades like there there comes like a, a muscle memory or something. There's like a disembodiment that it just is a part of mm-hmm. where it just kind of makes sense. Oh, I've conceded a bit to this thing. I can concede a bit more here. We've done that. We've practiced that here. with animals
2: actually. So, so this is going to get me in trouble, but animals aren't people. True. So I know there's folks that believe that they are. I've literally had conversations with them. Animals are animals. Mm-hmm. We have dehumanized ourselves to prove that we're like animals. Yeah instead of being humanized to rightly care for the flourishing of animals so instead we dehumanize animals and then transfer a bit of ourselves onto the animal and we try to properly treat them like people Mm -hmm. when we don't actually properly treat ourselves or others like people because we actually don't understand what a person is but the irony is uh we still concede by by accident to our conscious awareness the value of people otherwise you wouldn't elevate animals to the status of a person Mm -hmm. so so um so we have to willfully suspend certain things because you know we're 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 integrated in this reality we can't get out of it so there's certain way way that things are governed so to your point we have been practicing the suppression of what is true mm-hmm. in our folly or brokenness or our self-righteousness we suppress what's true um, and then we transfer or project ourselves onto other things, mm-hmm. and we, we try to elevate those other things as if they can do for us what we can't do for ourselves, because we actually don't want the burden or consequence that comes from not delivering on those promises. So you know, so like whether it's technology, you know, like you're saying, like mm-hmm. if it's animals, if it's um, uh, nature itself, yeah, if it's politics so so we're always lowering ourselves and emptying ourselves of our humanity at the expense of something that we we cast our hope into uh-huh. as if this will deliver us but deliver us from what and why do we feel like that has to happen and and people deny it you know you'll deny that in a vacuum but then you'll look at the culture and the culture is like at large there's people that are like no no ai, AI. there's 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 the early adopters there's the they kind of mainline adopters there's the late to the game rejectors, and then you know and then there's the the amish you know like they mm-hmm. just never convictionally, never get on board right yeah you know and i don't mean that cheaply i just mean like some people are just like wholesale i'll reject this
3: mm-hmm.
2: so wherever you're at you have to that's how you have to process the statement like if you're an early adopter then you're a defender right now because you're feeling defensive yeah yeah so if you're an early adopter of these things then you're going to defend and go hey 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 this is good we need to listen to what ai has to say this is the future yeah, that's because you're
1: an early adopter.
2: Mm-hmm. So you've already wholesale bought you've, in.
1: You've put some self-risk into mm-hmm. the success of artificial yeah. intelligence. And so you have a vested interest mm-hmm. in seeing it become the thing that you're claiming it to be. Yeah. So that way you can then be
0: validated. In its that's success. right. It's also weird in that space because like, when you talk about that, like, if you were to give that definition or that description of anything else, you'd say, oh, what you're talking about is somebody who is subject to a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, um, if I'm if I'm defensive, like there's I am there, I'm I'm in some way subjected to that mm-hmm. because as it goes, so go I, mm-hmm. and so um, which you know when you think about it, like how many if, if you put in the, that context how many things in your life are you subjected to you are subjecting yourself to mm-hmm. that you are putting yourself underneath that really is a complete falsehood and reversal of mm-hmm. how like the human experience should be. Mm-hmm. Like, what things are you part and parcel of that shouldn't be the case at all? Yeah. You know, because I think that subjecting, the the thing about subjecting yourself to a thing is you don't get to do it in a partial way, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, we we can't, as much as um, we have very much tried, we cannot bifurcate or trifurcate ourselves. mm mm-hmm extend it out to whatever whatever uh number you want to go into we can't do that and say oh this part of me is just subjected to that over there Mm -hmm. the rest of me is fine Mm -hmm. um so as i subject myself to anything i'm wholly subjecting myself yeah um but we don't think of it in that sort of context so when we look at something like ai we're like if i subject myself to this as like a cool neat thing well what else comes along with it and the last episode i think we really kind of talked about what that might look like um but we don't, I don't think we stop and ask ourselves, how, how am I or to what extent or am I subjecting myself to this thing? Fill in the blank for whatever mm-hmm. it is. Because humans, we tend to do that. Mm-hmm. We tend to just put ourselves into a place of like absolute slavery to things yeah. without thinking about what that state of slavery to that thing looks like.
2: Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a deterministic mentality so and and it's not to say that that things may not be determined. it's just to say that we're deterministic mm-hmm. about the things that are a given to us, and oftentimes we're blinded by the things that are given to us, so we won't understand that um like like a person who stands on progress is not standing on solid ground actually
0: no, never
2: yeah, yeah, because you can you can call anything going downhill progress, well, yeah, because if I'm falling off a building, I'm
0: progressing towards my death, mm-hmm. so sure that's progress but but also. If if your if your timeline is only progress, then you're always in the wrong. Yeah, because you're never in the place it's going. Yeah. So there's no learning. There's no understanding. There's no. Yeah. That's why that's why you get fake
2: fake hubris, like uh, humble hubris, which is we're just curious about what's going to happen. Oh, Oh, I'm just I'm just excited to see. Mm -hmm. That's 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 um, what I would call an immaturity, an adolescent approach to real things. Yeah. So I'd say I don't care how old you are, you're being an adolescent about it. Mm And you've, you've shirked responsibility for so long that you don't have any accountability to this. So you're, you've tricked yourself into, you posture yourself as the thrill ride person mm-hmm. who's better than you because you like thrill rides and you're, you've embraced the fact. You've deterministically embraced it. And it's like, that's why you're playing 20 video games for 20 hours a day. Yeah. Because you've already embraced full escapism. So mm-hmm. you'd rather not admit that maybe maybe that was a waste of your time A little bit to spend 20 hours a week on video games or you know like i said i just don't it's just what it is yeah you know like um and so i've wasted my time in different ways so like i got i got my things to account for Mm -hmm. but you know um so like the elitist arrogance couched in curiosity and being like on the frontier um um as an early adopter i'm just you know i think i think Uncritically doing that is is problematic. It's just uncritically adopting is problematic, especially well, if you don't actually have grounds to stand on.
1: Well, like, there, there's also just I mean another angle of it is the economic. Uh, you know, there's a version of history that we articulated, which is just the series of technological booms and mm-hmm. the profit that's been created by being able to ride the boom. Mm-hmm. And so there's people who. Are completely. I mean, in a lot of ways, not even in the conversation that we're having right now, because mm-hmm. all they're seeing is dollar signs, mm-hmm. and so like, yeah, AI is the thing because AI is just the thing. That, That's right. I they're gotta, thinking about the next quarter of. I want you know. my my startup to be the one that blows up into the next Google, and you know, mm-hmm. I'm seeing a chink in, um, the big fish. You know the armor of the big fish. You know your your Amazons, your Googles, your Netflixes. The people who maybe like haven't weren't positioned to step into the AI space. Yeah, and so they're kind of fumbling. And then you've got these new companies that are like, no, we we were the early adopters or the the creators, and now we're in a zone where everything feels like it's up for grabs Mm -hmm. in that economic tech sphere. Um, And so there are people that are just seeing this as as the the next thing mm. and then just a long list of things that have occurred historically yeah. to get them their buck and, yeah. and help them live and achieve whatever type of like, you know,
2: well, that would be their god, selfish. Yeah. You know, that would be the God they worship. It's like yeah. they worship mammon or they worship money. So you're going to
1: always bow to your money at the expense of lesser gods. If
2: mm.
3: you will,
1: they don't understand what the large scale effects of what their are propagating mm-hmm. might actually produce in other people's hands who have different plans and designs yeah. for it or just how well to
2: care about other people would actually be a different worldview yeah so if you care mm-hmm. about people as a, as a means to your god your money well that's an instrument instrumentalization of people which is default dehumanizing in some at some point in the duration of things it you will be dehumanizing because when rubber meets the road you'll have to decide between that which you angle and idol idolize and Mm -hmm. that which is in the way of your idolization Mm -hmm. so like you will have to sacrifice people for so that's why you've got tech giants and gurus tech gurus ai gurus that are like they're anti-species like they're not for human people well yeah you have to maintain that position to keep advancing at the expense of humans mm-hmm. your self-interest
1: or like the studies that are coming out they're showing like yeah social media is pretty much bad for us Yeah, so like tiktok's net total effect psychologically yeah. and socially social media is pretty bad for yep. us but the big tech companies can't afford to take that seriously because they've made their money because
2: they've worshipped doing this.
1: what they do yeah. and getting us on board with it yeah and so they can maybe Uh, in a sort of moralistic public signaling way say oh these are the steps we're taking to make this better for humans but no one's going to be like I'm just going to shut down my multi-billion dollar profitable corporation because it turns out pretty much everything we were doing was bad for humans.
2: As long as people keep like so like we'll see what happens with Budweiser Um, you know they're like 28% loss on their marketing schemes and the culture if you don't think the culture is (laughs) Wally yeah like and then the question is why and that's for another day but the it's important to kind of have that in the in the room of the conversation because uh it it is directly related to the push and advancement of ai Mm -hmm. and the i'll call it what is the continual dumbification of humans Mm -hmm. especially in the west the dumbing down of the west and the the pitting against one another and driving us into our corners and pacifying us because like you said gareth the key is the more you so like the less so the more you look at the artificial robot ai intelligence the uncanny thing which means it lacks humanity Mm -hmm. and that's what it's like it does and does not seem like a person and that's why it's uncanny you're like that's weird seems like a person enough to make signals yeah it seems like a person enough for me to recognize in a a profoundly acute way it's not Mm -hmm. that's what makes it uncanny that's Mm -hmm. the paradox of it or the confounding nature of an uncanny thing, especially when it comes to uncanny valley, the whole, that whole phenomenon, right? Mm -hmm. So like, so you, if you become an early adopter, you just suspend that judgment and you turn that part of your brain off and you just fully embrace it. In fact, you try to run it further into being real and less of an uncanny so that you can feel easier in submitting yourself to it or what I would call worshiping it. Mm -hmm. And by worship, I mean putting your hope, your desire and your future expectation in it to do for you what you can't do for yourself Mm -hmm. Uh so like like ai is going to do for us things we could never do make us think i've listened to academics talk about this think thoughts we've never thought before (laughs) okay that sounds really utopic and really hopeful in something else other than you Uh that's an interesting thing that we always do Mm -hmm. that's something that humans do all the time and the most staunch atheist will say i have you know this most historic staunch atheist will, will put their hope into empirical reasoning and science. Well, guess what? Empirical reasoning and science out the door. We don't agree anymore. And, and we really never did to begin with. And I'm not an anti-science guy. I'm just saying a, a lot, of people that are science deniers that are actually pro science. And you have to figure out what the heck is going on there. And that's relativism because you have to know what God they're worshiping. Mm-hmm. All lesser gods get thrown out. What do you, what do you idolize? as the thing that will do for you what you can't do for yourself and get you out of it. So a lot of people, it's identity. So that's why science was, and now it's more identity. So now identity trumps science. Mm-hmm. And science is only science when it supports identity. That's convenient. It's convenient. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a shifting landscape of uh, what I would call like idol worship or like worshiping things as though they were God. So another way of saying it's like taking something, t- making a good thing and making it. And making it ultimate and it turns mm-hmm. into a bad thing or or a, a thing that can't deliver on the basis of how you're perceiving it mm-hmm. it oh. can't be what by definition you're calling it so it buckles under that pressure mm-hmm. even though as it is it can still be that mm-hmm. you know so when you when you worship sex it will buckle yeah so when you when you make it the ultimate thing that everything else lives under it's not a good god it doesn't hold
0: yeah and I think you know the thing there is like what are if that's kind of like the top of your personal food chain, if Mm -hmm. that's the way we're kind of thinking about, like the idea of like worship or like idol or whatever, like if that's kind of the top of your like experiential, existential food chain, um, then if that buckles, then it it serves to believe that everything under it's going to buckle it some way too, Mm -hmm. which I think is a real crux of the conversation we've been having around AI is like it is so monumental in Mm -hmm. the landscape Mm -hmm. in terms of its potential and availability and ubiquity that if... It were to have an issue, and when it is no longer functioning in the way that we want it to, what then is lost? Mm -hmm. Like, what are the things we lose? Mm -hmm. Like, how does that shrapnel take everything out? And And, what does it take out? And the thing about AI that's unlike
1: a static thing. So let's just roll it back a couple thousand years and say, AI, unlike a stone statue, like when your belief in the stone statue. Crumbles because it didn't deliver you from the famine. Mm-hmm. The stone statue is left inert mm-hmm. and you just walk away to find something else. Yeah. The thing about AI is AI is a thing that's designed to be able to, in a self replicating, active way, continue to act. Right. It's something that we start and then it keeps going. And so there's not necessarily a walk away from it mm-hmm. the same yeah. way, because it's still, you know, unless we're globally booting down the servers and saying, okay, we're done with, we're wiping the hard drives. Um, I think the thing that makes it so monumental and the thing that makes it, the, the existential risk question that a lot of people are dealing with is the fact that it's something that once it gets going, we can walk away from it. It, it might follow us. It yeah, might not let us walk away.
0: In the the statue and other things, there's always a refutation that can be there. You can just refute that thing, like, nah, whatever. But you don't, you know, imagine imagine the scenario where somebody's like, oh, hey, so your job, we outsourced you to uh, that box in the corner. And you're like, but wasn't I doing a good job? I was like, yeah, but you weren't doing that good a job. It's like, refute that. Make a case for yourself based on the metrics we've established as a society over the last 150 years. Mm -hmm. And you can't, Right. And I think that is like one of those, it follows you, right? Because like, okay, so I don't do that job. I could do something else. Well, where does it follow me? Really? Well, it's always going to maximalize or efficiency engineer something in a certain way where mm-hmm. you're obsolete because what we're doing is we're equating bits and bobs and zeros and ones to the same place, usefulness and space of a human and then putting that thing against a human. You know, it's like, uh, everybody loved watching, um, what's his name, play Deep Blue in chess, right? And it's Kasparov? Like, yeah, watching Kasparov and Deep Blue play in chess. And it's like, oh, who's going to win? And it's like, it doesn't matter. If Kasparov wins the first 200 times, he loses all the other ones forever and ever and ever because that can do that thing better because that thing is not an innately human activity. Like yeah. You can take chess away and the human experience doesn't necessarily change, mm-hmm. right? And so the, the whole idea of it following you is like, We are saying humans are only this thing. We minimize ourselves to like an AI space or whatever. So when we talk about artificial intelligence, and then you listen to education scholars over the last 100 years talking Mm -hmm. about how intelligence is not a strictly defined myopic sort of thing, and the definition is difficult to really pin down, and it's varied, and it's across multiple fields. And depending on who you talk to, it could be five to 25 types of intelligence that people exercise. And now we're just like, no, computation. Computation and efficiency. Yeah. Here it is. Yep. Can,
1: I, um, yes. can I roll out a, uh, another thread of history that I've been thinking about I'd, recently? I'd love it. So it I'm again. reading a book about epistemology right now. Thank you, Sam, for the
0: recommendation. Yeah, great and, read. Um, the author, read. Still, uh, still on the side table.
1: The author lays Dance out um, a case that there is a Western default epistemology um, that we all function under.
0: Um, How far into the book are you?
1: I've read the first chapter.
0: Okay. Um, I was like,
2: because I'm already like not. I'm I'm halfway through, and I'm like not remembering. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So because so <laughs> this is this is all related, and I think I think it it's just really funny what we're talking about in this book. So this is not necessarily a new idea to some people, um, but it's the idea that there's sort of like we treat knowledge as um, facts, a reason, mm-hmm. theory, yep. science of the mind, neutral. Um, Intellectual, absolute, impersonal, dispassionate, Mm trustworthy, objective. Mm -hmm. All those adjectives are like where true knowledge rests. Yeah. yeah. And then, and let's call that A type knowledge. And then there's B type knowledge, which a lot of our epistemic defaults say oh, no, real knowledge can't exist in spaces of belief or opinion or interpretation or values or morals, faith or emotions, Mm -hmm. application or action, art, imagination private, you know, of the body, appearances, material. And so all those realms are excluded. Hmm. Um, and I'll call that like B-type knowledge just for, for categorical sake. Mm-hmm. So because we've we've generally imbibed, this comes from Plato, this is Cartesian. Um, there's lots of historical notes about how we've come to the place where we think this. When we treat true knowledge as just that fact-based reason, mm-hmm. There's some benefits of treating knowledge like that. And one of the biggest benefits, I think, is replicability Mm -hmm. and the ability to to disseminate propositions to a lot of different people. Um, And a lot of our technological progress, especially with the printing press forward, has been how can we replicate knowledge to more and more and more people um, in this sort of egalitarian way so that way everyone has access to the same objective uh, knowledge that we can all agree on and build a society from, mm-hmm. um, while excluding the types of knowing that are embodied in the, in the individual in our <laughs> personal experiences, um, relational dynamics, relational dynamics, yeah, haptic, um, tacit, tacit knowledge, exactly, yeah. all of that. Um, mm-hmm. When the technology gets to the point where we can generate so much of that A-type knowledge, mm-hmm. it gets to be bigger than any single human individual can get their arms around. And then there's a new risk of non-egalitarian circumstances, which is I can't know everything because there's too much to know. Mm -hmm. So what is the biggest thing that people are talking about about these large language models? It's their ability to go out into the internet, which now has more information than we'll ever be able to read in a billion years, and summarize that knowledge. I can say, ChatGPT, give me a summary of what art, history, important art history elements from the Dutch landscape period and yada yada, 1700. And now the AI is positioning itself to be the new egalitarian unifier that we can all go to the AI. It can know everything for us Mm
3: -hmm. and
1: then synthesize it down and then we receive it as objective, reliable truth and that's what we're going to build society on. And
2: so it's it's a perfectly stated summary, Cody, and perfectly sets up the, the fundamental problem. So, it, so it, it points to, so your summary is perfect because it points to the summary of, of a, a reduction of knowledge mm-hmm. that is a denial of our humanity, our finitude. Mm-hmm. So our situatedness or our situationalness or our contingentness, right? Questions on what? Mm-hmm. And then it, it um, furthers that assumption about what knowledge is and it further subjugates us to the very thing that actually was a problem in the modern era that led to fascism and uh, totalitarianism uh, with Stalin and Mao, uh, Hitler. And here's why: it's because there's a uh, you're, you're missing a fundamental component to, to to what a human is, which is, um, you know, we talk about like spirit or wisdom. Mm-hmm. Let's say, so AI has no AI fund by definition cannot be wise,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which is is just ethical. And what what should one do?
1: Because it that, cannot move from the propositional into the action.
2: Nope. So it will ne- it will default to fascism, mm-hmm. and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing uh, control of speech, mm-hmm. and we're we're actually angling for it. And what we're angling for is our god, our AI god, to politically lean one way or the other. So mm-hmm. it's about the, the technocracy giants controlling in the clouds, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's
1: and and it's about
2: so. Sis. Real fast, just think about yeah, this though, yeah. just think about this. Zeus is in the clouds, uh, amplified humanity. They're in the clouds, they're aspirational, right? Well, so what do we, where do we store our knowledge? In the cloud. In the cloud, right? Yeah. So like where do we, like uh, who are the tech giants? Who are the people, who are the gurus that own, own the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Those are our, our modern gods. They're actually amplified expressions of humanity and those people are, are operating as those people.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and so they got God complex. Now here's the thing, um, all the people that reject God because they don't want to be held accountable, to uh, maybe maybe the true living God, let's say, mm-hmm. are, are willing to subject themselves to a God without wisdom, mm-hmm. a God who is inhuman in, in a key way uh, that actually is going to leverage contingent knowledge in a totalized way, divorced from time, place, or circumstance. And we are putting our uh, uh, optimistic hope. In that sense, we're no different than the Greeks uh, worshiping Zeus and... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, amplified expressions of humanity, mm-hmm. you know, like lesser gods, demigods. Like we're doing the same thing. We're repeating all the same stuff. Mm-hmm. We're we're just so it's not yeah. Anyhow, yeah, um, yeah.
1: It's it's abstract. It's different. It's still but, abstract. And it's the mind body dualism. Yes,
2: that's the Platonic mind body dualism.
1: dualism. And and the thing is, another one of the outcomes that leads to some of the the fascist totalitarian is that there is. We were talking about um, betrayal. Mm-hmm. It's when. Or the author that I'm reading, proposes that when you think of knowledge in that way, you go through boredom because you're not allowed to actually be personally invested in the knowledge. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then hopelessness because when you disconnect from a relational knowing of the world around you mm-hmm. and it is dispassionate and factual and equations, then you actually get locked into your own mind. Mm-hmm. And you have no guarantee that what you're experiencing outside really is even real. Yeah. And that leads to the sense of betrayal. Yep. And a lack of orientation. That's the to disillusionment reality. we were talking about earlier disillusionment, with other, yeah.
2: other so now you're in your reality, but you're ticked about and it.
1: And then you're power grabbing, you're, you're That's bitter, right. and you're like, well, if 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 the promise of knowledge, which was sort of this egalitarian promise that everyone was going to be equal mm-hmm. if we all had access to it, fails. And now I don't even know if I can know. Mm-hmm then in my bitterness, I'm just gonna come out on top.
2: Yeah, let me, let me give you an example. So that's perfect. So if the problem, uh, Kinsey was a, a, a gross pervert, he was doing stuff to babies, he was, he was a monster, and people celebrate him for the sexual revolution. But if sex was so satisfying that it actually would revolutionize people into an usher in freedom, why is pornography destroyed more marriages? Why is human trafficking off the charts why are why is pedophilia rampant, and why are kids being sexualized down to babies because their people are disillusioned by the worship of of something that actually is a great thing sex is a great thing Mm -hmm. but it has a purpose in the role of the whole of the person and so we've idolized it and it's failed us and so now you have people running around the streets raping people Because because they're disillusioned, they don't care anymore. It's Mm -hmm. lost any sanctity. It has no sacredness to it. It has no proper value at all. Mm -hmm. And so people are disillusioned. And so when we worship things like freedom, right? We've idolized freedom. Now we're disillusioned with it. So we're like, take my freedom, but make them suffer. Mm -hmm. And that's what you see in politics. Hey, take my freedom. Take everything from me. Take care of me, feed me. But make sure the people that I don't like get punished. Yeah. So we're, I mean, we're seeing it play out mm-hmm. repeatedly at hyper speed, at warp speed. Mm-hmm. Ironically, to the the release of the vaccine, or, uh, project warp speed or whatever. It's like, yeah, that's our expectation for everything. Deal swiftly, deal swiftly, because there's no wisdom involved in that. Mm-hmm. Wisdom would move that quickly, and would would there be a whole different set of issues that
1: that come with actual embodied wisdom? Mm-hmm. So the interesting question about or the, the Thing that interests me about AI is the willing subjection to AI because it can be the savior to curate the knowledge that we can't because there's too much mm-hmm. from our definition of knowledge. And also the great equalizer because when all of us come to the same centralized AI for, for what we want, mm-hmm. it's a guarantee that everyone equally gets the same type of thing, mm-hmm. even if it's tailored to our preferences. Mm-hmm. Because um, I was just thinking about this. I had a guy come by um, to uh, give me a quote or look at my house because I need some repairs on like an awning over my front porch. Very normal stuff, homeowner stuff. Um, super nice guy in his sixties, probably been running his um, his repair business and for like forty-seven years. Mm-hmm. He embodies knowledge that I don't have access to. Mm -hmm. So an argument could be made that there is a fascistic relationship between him and the knowledge that he has and me and the knowledge that I don't have. And I could claim I ought to be able to have the knowledge that he has because he's put in the time and the effort and the years. He knows how to swing that hammer and drive that nail. He knows how he's processing things on a level that is beyond merely propositions Mm -hmm. that can be coded or put into a computer and pulled by a large language model. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's, he's done the work, he's done the time. He embodies that knowledge and the ability to, to actuate it mm-hmm. in a way that it would take me the same amount of time of doing the same amount of work to be able to get to. It's just not With no not guarantee transform. that you may have
2: the capacity to get it as well. As exactly,
1: and that pisses some people off. Pisses off most people. And that is that to me is a picture of when we evacuate... Reality and the personal, and the types of knowing that you can't just write on a page or put in a computer, mm-hmm. um, the, or the, hide
2: behind a screen with no sensory, and then and then act as though you're you're a, you're the god of your clouds. Exactly. You know, like when
1: you're when you're in that space, and you've you've given primacy to that type of knowledge and, and the quote-unquote actions that surround that type of knowledge. You get angry when people are embodying a fuller picture Yeah, and can do things with it that you cannot do.
2: Yeah, our culture runs on fear and envy. Yeah. So the envy of knowledge is why we'll get behind sports teams, idols, mm-hmm. uh, celebrities, and we'll propagate athletes, we'll propagate you know celebrities and we'll amplify ourselves through them until they fail us because mm-hmm. we can't we envy it that's why that's why we live in the culture of of the um what do you call that where the person is obsessive about someone and stalker yeah you know o- only uh uh untethered unhinged society produces the stalker where they're like I, like the guy that uh is wrestling with his pronouns goes and kills a woman because he wanted to have her looks what do you call that that is envy we mm-hmm. are we are in a we have passed the precipice of sanity. Mm-hmm. We just we just have.
1: So like the medieval, a lot of times we think of envy. Um, and just to sort of tie up that last thought. So personally, I'm super grateful that that gentleman is able to do all the things that I can't do for my house. Yes. Um, and that's a huge blessing to me. It's a the huge blessing. blessing. Um, and hopefully if everything works out, um, I can bless him by paying him for the that's work right. that he been with. Which means that he can bless do. more people. Exactly. So... All those are good things. Um, I'm just point, using that as an example of like, there's ways of thinking about that situation in the broken way that our society thinks about a lot of other things. Yeah. That is how we describe. Um, but the the medieval understanding of, of envy or avarice, which is the old school term, a lot of times we just think it's it's wanting what someone else has. Older understandings, because they used to think that there was a fixed amount of wealth in the world. And so for one person to have more wealth, it meant necessarily... That other people, there's less wealth available for them to have. Mm-hmm. The notion of avarice was more like the idea of hating someone because they have something, and the very fact that they have it means that it is no longer available for you to possess mm-hmm. because it's sort of like a closed loop, zero sum game.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't believe there's me. also, there's also a, a theistic component to that, which mm-hmm. is a discompense discontentment in the sovereignty of God. Exactly. So, so that's, where the, that's where the hate comes into the the notion of avarice, um, you know, because you're essentially, by extension, hating God for exactly. not giving you what. Because of the fixed system, you're you're beholden to the fact that he's sovereign, so you can't deal with that. Mm-hmm. So you turn your frustration and your envy onto your neighbor, which is why when Jesus comes and says, love your neighbor as, as the Lord your God, mm-hmm. and lo- love the neighbor yourself, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength and your neighbor as yourself, yeah. actually starts to make a lot of sense in the, the longer view of, of, uh, what we are and what, you know, you know, what, what I think God is or who God is. Mm-hmm. So like, if you, if you take, um, so we're an envious in the fullest measure of what you just said. Mm-hmm. And at a minimum and
1: not we're because of that, we're not content to just get the thing that the other person has that we saw that we wanted. Yes. We're not content with everyone it never having works. the same thing. Nope. There's always going to be something more. We want
2: justice. We want we Or want we death. want
1: them taken down a notch yep. as we're lifted up a notch that's right. because that's really the position that we prefer mm-hmm. is not uh, all things being equal, but actually me being on top. Yeah,
2: yeah. no matter what. So that's where I- each position defaults to um, into the fascist vacuum. Like you can't, if you, if so this is, this is the big idea. The big idea is throughout history, people always default to a higher power. Mm -hmm. The question is, is there a higher power? I say that there is, and I got good reasons to believe that. I can substantiate and talk about it. Here's the one thing I'll throw out there. Folks will be tempted to say that if you believe in God or if you're a Christian, let's say, or you trust Jesus, that you're anti-intellectual. I would love to have that conversation with anybody intellectually to see whether or not, at a minimum, that we're being intellectual about it. So, So just to take that off the table, hey, let's sit and then have an intellectual conversation about it. I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about evidence. I'm good with that. Let's talk about science. I'm good with that. Like let's talk about poetry, art and narrative. I'm good with that. Like I've thought through it, lived through it, uh, not just by myself, but with a lot of great people and thinkers. So like what I'm trying to say is at a minimum consider uh um be what you say you are, which is open-minded. Mm-hmm. So just consider for a second, right? So so assuming it then, um <sighs> Everybody inductively appeals to uniformity in nature, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a way of appealing to something upholding knowledge and experience for us. So when you go to speak, you're appealing to uniformity in nature. When you go to sleep, you're appealing to uniformity in nature. It's, it's inductive reasoning. You're appealing to that which precedes you to uphold you in order for you to do, say, be whatever it is you want to be. So, so your agency is contingent. It's not absolute. You're not God. Mm-hmm. So you, you can determine a limited state of affairs. You can't be everything. Mm-hmm. We say that, and what it does is it's unraveling people because they can't do it. So like I heard about uh, in, a, in school in Dimwitty, people put forward a, uh, a policy to make litter boxes for people that identify as furries to use the bathroom. In the school? In the school. So when I was in school, that in 1994, that would have sounded like a, a, a really ridiculous joke, like that, that would never even be possible and yet here we are, right? And so the relatives will, won't remember that and they'll just say, well, no, we have to be inclusive to all and, You know, Mm -hmm. so we don't know how to say no to anything and we only know how to say no to the ones that say no to us on the things that maybe, maybe we shouldn't, should not be doing, but we don't have conversation about it Mm -hmm. because we don't want to reflect on ourselves because that might mean changing your position or taking responsibility. And so we don't want to work. We're discontent. We don't want to have to be in our situation. We're discontent Mm -hmm. like, like, so discontentment and envy and fear have put forward what some call progress. And so progress is enslaved us further to Gareth's point to the same master, but at greater cost of ourselves over time. That's what I call or what we call dehumanizing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now what's not said in there is the fundamental problem. So like take, take, take for instance, take uh, Moses. Moses goes up and guess what? The 10 commandments. So from who? From who? From God of the universe, the infinite God who upholds things by the power of his word an eternal God who uh, is triune, who actually in and through all things hold together and have their being in the sun. So this infinite God gives 10 commandments, not a thousand, not infinite. Why? Because the infinite God is wise with regards to who is subject to him. He knows our fundamental problem. We are fallen, we're fruit broken from the vine and we're rotting to death. We're separated and he wants to help us see that Cause how do you help prideful people see that when they're prideful and they think they're you, you know, like I've said before, like, like, uh, you know, if the guy thinks he's Michael Jordan and he's so prideful cause he's wearing all the clothes and he's beating up on small people that, and, and Michael Jordan can come up and say, you're not me. And if the guy's really prideful, so I can prove it. And then what, what Michael Jordan would have to do to pr- help him see it if he wanted to is say, okay, go win six championships, play in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't do all that you did. I just want to be. I just want to say that you are. And then you'll have to beat him real hard, mm-hmm. right? So like he's like, here's my law. Here's what I've done. Can you do it? Nope. Okay, I'm going have to have to show you. And now you're so arrogant, you still can't admit that you're not me, right? Yeah. So the law comes down and humanity runs from God. And in turn, they worship a golden calf. Mm -hmm. They take precious metal. They'd rather have the image of something to worship than the reality because the reality dealt with them where they were really at. Mm -hmm. But the image allowed them to express what they wanted to be without anything saying no Mm -hmm. vast difference between the two. One is 10 commandments that are like to help you see that you can't actually like to not lie, to not cheat, to not murder, to not envy, to not covet. Right? Like Mm -hmm. have no other God before you, but me like those are the, beginnings of helping folks see their fundamental problem Mm -hmm. that wisely God will do something about. The golden calf AI uh, has no wisdom. Mm -hmm. So it can only give you a feedback of what it is in a blunt way.
1: And hilariously, the AI is subject to all the material that we bring to create it. That's right. It can't create out of nothing. The AI just says, well, this is everything that's available, which if we're just thinking about the Moses story, it's like all the people bringing their gold jewelry. It's and lesser saying, than us.
2: It's lesser than yeah, us. It's,
1: it's like saying, hey, we got all this gold together that's from all of us. Now you melt it down and make a golden calf yeah. and we're going to worship that as our God.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The AI is the
1: same way. So you've content.
2: It sounds dumb, right? We, we, we say it sounds dumb, but how many people uh, worship money? That's really the same. How many people worship sex? Or like, mm-hmm. like I just want to look at this woman's, body, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you're doing the same thing. You've yeah. dehumanized something to the point that you're purely objectifying it. So don't, don't be chronologically snobbish mm-hmm. and think that you're latest and greatest and not the same kind of person you actually are. And so, and so um, uh, we need wisdom. We need to be forgiven because everybody's culpable. Yeah. And so that's where, for me, that's where Jesus comes in. The logos comes in the middle of religion and uh, Greek Platonic knowledge, the mind-body dualism, and, and the answer to the haptic tacit knowledge and the empirical is bound up in one person. Mm-hmm. So personhood necessitates relation. So God of the universe comes in the form, uh, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son uh, is promised over over uh, how many years? Thousands. Thousands of years, and then and then comes and fulfills all of these promises. So like the Bible functions like a giant text message text is sign and symbol with a referent. So like the Minneapolis Lakers symbol doesn't really hold anymore because the Lakers aren't in Minneapolis. The Los Angeles Lakers sign holds. Why? Because it points to LA. Well, when the Lakers no longer exist, then the logo will start to mean it'll fade. Well, the Bible uh, faces God and God is alive. Therefore, the text is, is alive in relationship to God. He upholds it and says, that's my word to you. Mm-hmm. So, because it's a collection of meaningful symbols that are organized into coherent statements that speak about God and us, right? So, so, we get this revelation and um, it tells us about ourselves and, then, and it purports that Jesus will, will be the one to deal with the problem. And he is the logos. He is the meaning of existence. But he's not an intellectual proposition, but he is intelligent.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He's a relational being. God comes in the form of man To show himself humbly. That's a condescend he condescends lowers himself, Mm -hmm. right? And so then he comes to do for us what we can't do. But here's what he what he does He doesn't give us total knowledge. He forgives us of our sins. He sacrifices himself for us, rises to new life graciously, and shows that he is God. He he defeats the things that we're the the most fearful of, Mm -hmm. death and dying, right? And And all the
1: objects that we've tried to place ourselves under the authority of that can't hold.
2: Right. And he did it in history. He didn't do it like in a fantasy book somewhere. He actually did it in real time and space and has eyewitness accounts and testimonies. And there's mm-hmm. great argumentation for all of this. So he does this in history. It demonstrates himself to be exactly who he claimed to be while fulfilling all the miracles that were, like if, if you, the logical possibility of um, fulfilling every uh, prophecy in the Old Testament is if you, if you put like 10 billion pennies in Texas in one dime and you found the one dime. That's how probable it is that one man could come fill all of the uh, prophecies, random, random prop. Yeah. yeah, if they were random, so he confirms the scriptures, he fulfills the law of Moses, he fulfills the law of God, like he fulfills all the covenantal laws, like he he fulfills it, mm-hmm. right? And then he says, "It's yours." So what he gives you is his relationship. So what he, he he restores your relationship to God. So now you're not pitted between um, empirical knowledge and relationships and power grabs. And body knowledge. With yeah. body knowledge, cause he's all of that. And then he says, you'll have to walk with me. Like I will walk with you. You will relate to me. You will be like my family and you will know things. And I'll tell you what, what sex is. And I'll tell you what a man is or what a woman is, what a human is. What to do with what, your money. What if, yeah, what to do with your money. And I will, I will prosper a people in humility i'll tell you what art is i'll tell you what creativity is i'll tell you why i made the earth this way and why i'm not blowing it up and why you're made to cultivate it and and express uh and and do wonderful things with it and i'll tell you why you've struggled not to it's because because you're broken from me and so you worship other things in place of me but nothing else can do cuz nothing else is me i am the prime mover mm-hmm. so the prime mover actually speaks a loving word and actually uh, can be tasted and seen and proved and then he he makes a people that are are the church that are not a building but an expanding living community that that covers the globe with humility and grace and not everybody does that because people are fallen they have to grow so when Wally frees the uh, folks from their enslavement they didn't lose weight instantly they had to they had to actually get get right over time right mm-hmm. that that was still left to be seen we didn't see that but in Christ we actually <clears throat> we actually grow up into Him over time that's called sanctification mm-hmm. so like. God knows what intelligence is to know whether or not we should be pursuing artificial intelligence because intelligence in humanity, as it relates to God's design for us is never divorced from wisdom
3: mm-hmm.
2: and wisdom is the Holy spirit. Wisdom is the spirit of God at work in people according to the way he governs society. Mm-hmm. And so the only thing people can do is rebel against God's rule and God's law for mm-hmm. the way society exists. There's nothing else you can do. Yeah. That's why people unravel. And that's why they're like, I would rather have an artificial intelligence and still play video games and have no accountability than admit that Jesus is Lord and I actually need to uh, repent and turn to him and trust him. And the crazy thing is he flourishes people when they turn from these things. We've experienced it, mm-hmm. it's, this never not been the case. Um, and when I'm struggling to trust him, I make problems that he, only he can fix. So we're in the ultimate state of this being proven. If you read through the book of Romans, it lays out to you what happens to people that when God gives them over to a debased mind and how they claim to be wise and they become fools. So we're seeing that in society. So when I say humanity lost, that's what I mean. Mm -hmm. Humanity in Christ is actually um, a whole person regenerated, restored, renewed, not because you did anything, but because God's gracious and he's calling you. And like, I'd be lying if I didn't, if I, did, like, if I didn't say that or if we didn't talk about this because there's a point where nothing is, here's the thing, nothing is neutral. Mm-hmm. AI is not neutral. I can't ask it certain questions because it will correct me towards certain uh, secularist leanings.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It, it's not neutral. It's already neutral. Hard-coded, it's, hard-coded into it. It's already hard-coded yeah. into it. It, it. Humanity is not neutral. We are broken. The Bible says sin. We're, we're fallen from what God wanted, what God intended. <clears throat> and the, the apple can't attach itself back up to the tree.
1: And um, that's a great point because people talk about AI and people act like from intelligence will emerge personhood. But sort of the argue we're making up is the personhood actually is the thing from which intelligence emerges. Right. It's, that personhood precedes intelligence. I was out for a while because um, my family just welcomed a new son. He's Congrats. a baby. He's Congrats. two weeks old. He's mm-hmm. awesome.
2: Um, the capacity for intelligence
1: is there, but it, it's, he, he is has a to get it through a relationship. Yep. Like he is a person. Yep. Intelligence is something that will grow and it will emerge and it will develop over through time through, relationship. through relationships. Um, through relationships. Through being in my family, through having his older siblings and mom and dad, and and it bound up in his ontology um, to grow in intelligence. Yep. But right now he is still a person, even though he's not exhibiting manifold intelligence. Yeah. So we, we just get it. He hasn't done background. anything to earn his, his worth or value. Exactly.
2: He can't offer, he can't contribute
1: anything. And the point that you made about AI, where you, you can try to ask AI questions and ask it to give you information, it will say, no, I'm not allowed to do that. Well, all that means is that if you walk up the AI ladder... It's just a set of people at top. Mm-hmm. So you subject yourself to the artificial intelligence. All you've decided to do is just subject yourself to another set of fallible humans. Yeah, you're still putting your trust in something. That, that fuzzes out your ability to tell what's right. up. So the, the false promise of neutrality that artificial intelligence is being touted as really is just a cover-up for and I don't say this in like a conspiracy theory way. It's just, it's just how things work. Mm-hmm. Like there are just going to be a small set of people who say what the artificial intelligence is and isn't allowed to do yeah. and approve. And then that will just get disseminated down the chain. And if you think
2: I'm wrong, try to cook dinner with the rest of your family in the kitchen together with everybody taking the lead. Yeah. What, have, you, have you ever seen that work out totally well so where you everyone to, is the lead cook?
1: You have to honestly ask yourself, <clears throat> what makes this group of people who I may or may not know the people that I'm willing to submit to, mm-hmm. to be totally authoritative. Yeah, and what's give the basis of their power? The handles of a tool that right now, what we're looking at seems like it could be an immensely powerful tool. Sure. Um, Like, ask yourself, who are those people and why should you trust them? Yeah. Especially if there's a possibility that there is actually another person mm-hmm. who is also... Intelligent,
3: mm-hmm. who
1: really is the integrating point of all things and has all authority, and really is benevolent, mm-hmm. and really is reaching out to try to has demonstrated to
2: love, and ki- love and kindness, like, in a real personal yeah, way. Because
1: yeah. the AI, the artificial intelligence, is not going to die for you. Yeah, it's not going. You to, have to die for it, though. You will. Yeah. yeah, but it won't die for you. It won't uh, become it, incarnate. It, 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 it claims to be a servant of us, but it won't really be. No. Um,
2: because we're bound up in it and we are fallen. So our folly is bound up in the, in the technology. So like, that's the problem is, is our, our, um, we don't operate from a pure, pure basis, even though the uh, enlightenment thinkers try to purify knowledge and say that we could. So that is a rightly a problem. Like mm-hmm. we can't because that denies what I, what, what's called noesis or the noetic effects of sin. sin mm-hmm. affects the whole of the person We're we're disconnected from the truth and so we see dimly and we're bent in on ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's what sin is. Sin is we're bent in on ourselves. We're not, we're not aligned with God or in relationship with God who, who helps us understand how to live. We're, we are bent in on ourselves and we react according to our sin nature, not our human nature in the proper sense. So we do things that we don't want to do or shouldn't do and mm-hmm. we're confused. So we're always confused. So the funny thing is the more knowledge we get, we don't become wiser, we become more confused. Mm-hmm. And then we faction off into tribes of beliefs around any number of things, including voting for cat litter boxes for high school kids. Yep. <laughs> that is, is uh, people in world war two that died for America. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm just trying to use an extreme example and say like, I don't know what that man or would think about the, <laughs> the future of the United States that he died for. And you can say whatever you want, but there's a certain level of uh, self-sacrifice and and uh, um, dignity that doesn't exist very well in our current state mm-hmm. and i'm not anti-millennial because i got young young folks that i think are pretty great around me I'm so a millennial. I, yeah i'm not so that's what i'm saying so i'm not making generational statements I'm, I'm saying that the fundamental problem is way deeper and it goes all the way back through history yeah. so like I'm, I'm like yeah it's all busted mm-hmm. all of it you want to talk about how busted it's been busted at what point do we concede that we can't fix it mm-hmm. so what i'm trying to say and i've been right about a lot of stuff over the last several years so so there's a point where i found that most folks in my experience will never just admit it Mm -hmm. so why should we keep listening to people that were wrong over and over again because they want to feel good in their authoritative position but you've been wrong over and over again about everything Mm -hmm. like i just you know like they're about to do all these cuts at my job you've been wrong you know like it's just it's it's a point where it's like uh, um maybe you need to uh like if there's any sense that we've ever made in this podcast And I think that there's real consequence on the table. Otherwise I wouldn't talk this adamantly about things, Mm -hmm. you know, at this point, just being fully transparent is um, because I think there's actually really something at stake and Gareth and I, when we started this, felt this way, we just felt like there's a way to have a conversation and, and there's a hope and a prayer that people can hear it and consider. But if you've been walking with us for a long time, consider if other things made sense that we said, and we've always operated out of this worldview, consider why that made sense. And then, and then just, you just got to think like, okay, um, are you cool with being wrong? Like I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. Listen, I've had to deal with being told I was wrong a lot on things. Um, and I got people that are like turning, you know, would be turning this off now for that, but, um, consider my actions, consider our actions, consider, look at the actions in relationship to the beliefs. Like we're not sitting in a room disengaged or divorced from caring about and doing real work. So consider the totality, and then I'm telling you that the only reason why anything that I do is good is because of Christ, hmm. and that's not a, um, mm-hmm. a cheap statement. That's a thoroughgoing statement that I can yeah. back existentially, intellectually, and historically, like like how many days, how many months, how many years do you have to pour over all the um, reasonableness, so uh, reasonable to the best explanation, I can give you reasonable explanations for why i believe what i believe and then you'll have to decide if um if i'm nuts or not Mm -hmm. right and uh if you've been listening this long you may think i'm nuts but you've been listening this long so then you got to ask why you see what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so um do i think ai can be a tool yes but do i think most people are going to let it be a tool no Mm -hmm. they're going to run it off the cliff and make it a god and when we do that full circle it fractures us further, mm-hmm. and we've crossed a, pes- a precipice. We will be subjugated to totalitarian fascism. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's what human history repeats over and over again. And you will be begging for uh, God to reveal Himself to you. And there's a lot of young people right now that are more open to the fact that there maybe is a God than ever before. And so I'm just like, if you're, if that's you, contact us. I mean, we'll talk for hours, give you books, let you meet people that will continue to testify to it. Um, don't let bots on the internet testify to AI when you have real people that can testify to their lives being changed. Yeah. And um, I would rather lose everything on the podcast and say the truth than, than deny it and not say anything. Mm. Um, and I'm willing to stand in the conversation uh, indefinitely, you yeah. know? But I won't, I won't stand by and say that I think uh, we're going in a good place, we've, 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 uh, we've uh, lost the wheels. And the arts are huge at establishing why we lost the wheels, like why the bus is unraveled. Because out of the overflow of your heart, your art speaks. It actually manifests what you believe. And when you're confused, you manifest confusing expressions that others idolize and emulate, and they become further confused. That's Mm -hmm. called dehumanization. Yep. If you don't know who God is, you won't know who you are and you won't know what to say. So you'll say confusing things and call it interesting, and you'll get more people to be interested in, and you'll get social capital. and. Passing the back from your professors and the critics and the art galleries and then you will get left behind because someone else more interesting and more fractured than you will come next and be more radical than you but all you're really doing is fighting who gets to the bottom of the the canyon first after after, after having jumped off the cliff mm-hmm. uh, yeah mm-hmm. i don't know what i'll say there but that's I mean, the thing about jesus jesus went off the cliff for you he paid for all of it. And then he says, uh, follow me. Watch, go watch The Chosen or something. Like if you're not a Christian, just watch The Chosen. And, and like, it's a, it's a read the Bible, watch The Chosen, ask us questions. Just get an idea of like what God could be like. Just go to it and be like, well, I got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. If this Jesus is real, if God is real, why not give it a try? You know, yeah. what, you, you know what, someone once told me when I wasn't a Christian, every religion says, follow the, the rules and the laws and you'll, uh, maybe you'll ascend to God. Christianity was the only one where it was like, hey, God actually came down to earth and went after us and he demonstrated in real time and space in actual history and um, can be known. You don't have to like earn it. He actually comes to you. And it's like, someone told me like, might as well start with that religion because that's the only one that claims God came down and became a man and died in in human history. Mm -hmm. Every scholar with any credibility, whether they believe it or not, all testify to the fact that Jesus actually was a man who lived in human history. Mm -hmm. The calendar is shaped by him. Just so many things to say about that, but I'll just leave it there. And if, and, and what would it mean for a loving God to forgive you of your ineptitude and your folly and your sin, your just your your unrighteousness, <clears throat> without requiring anything of you? Mm-hmm. Like, what would you do if the person you admire the most came, offered you his life and all of his riches, just because? And then take that and say, like. Magnify that into actually a God, actually God doing that. It's an incredible proposition. It should at least make you interested, Mm -hmm. you know. So anyhow,
0: I'll leave it there. That's good. Yeah. So we're gonna keep talking about AI. (laughs) I mean, it's not gonna, it's not gonna gonna gonna
2: go go away. away. (laughs) Well, yeah. So let me say this then: there's AI and there's God. So the reason why I have to establish this conversation is if you don't have a reference for what real knowledge is, or who Mm -hmm. who and who is the reference for real knowledge, then you can't have a helpful comparison. So let's say you totally are pissed right now and you disagree with me. You think I'm a total jerk and, it, and all of these things. Well, you're just expressing your morality towards me and your views. Cool, I'm down with that. There's no neutrality. So we're all gonna express our morality, right? We're all yeah, gonna yeah. express our opinions. So cool, welcome to the club. Um, I'm not mad at you. So why are you mad at me? That's a question, right? If you're mad indeed. And now listen to the other episodes and listen to other people's perspectives and let's make comparisons, I know some people are worried. Well, if you talk about God, you're excluding somebody. Well, if I, if I talk about God, you're excluding me. So, right. So like nobody's immune from exclusion. So let's be honest. Like there's no perfect way to deal with things without saying no to something. The question is who decides mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's it.
0: Yeah. So even though this is part three, <laughs> we got more stuff coming at me because you know, that's what we do. We don't in series lightly. So uh, (laughs) we're gonna be. I just want to like throw out here.
1: We only have like seventy years of science fiction novels on repeat, talking about how bad AI can go. Like just again and again and again. There's so many. Even the popular, you know, do novel Mm -hmm. like is set in a world where like ten thousand years before the story takes place, AI was invented and went crazy. Mm-hmm. And had to be basically destroyed completely and universally outlawed of the galaxy. Which, yeah. you know, in that story it still doesn't work out super well for humans. But just like <laughs> that's just a sample of the fact that thinkers for decades, decades before the technical plausibility of inventing general intelligence, um have been considering what could happen. And a lot of it's not good. Mm-hmm. And if you're a listener and maybe you think that it's just material universe, um, nothing really created us. We're just here. We're human. Humanity is emergent. All life is emergent. So AI is just another thing that's emergent. Think of it this way. AI is going to be created by us, which means functionally, uh, relationally, we are going to be the God to AI. Mm -hmm. We will be the person who brought AI into existence. Mm -hmm. Um, and if that AI does reach some sort of personhood, I don't think it will. But if it, it can't, does, by definition, it can't. But let's say we're operating from a materialist so, worldview. So, no,
2: so it would be. It's, I have to say this: it, it's they won't reach personhood because personhood is a uniquely vested um, aspect of, of who God is, born out in the image of humans. So here's what it would yes. be: it would be a facsimile of agency.
1: But here's what I'm saying: I'm I'm, I'm speaking as if I'm operating out of a materialist worldview. Okay. That already believes that humans are just our intelligence is just an emergent thing out Mm -hmm. of matter in the universe. Okay. So if you're operating with that materialist worldview where you don't acknowledge there's a God, the AI that we create will be in reference to us as if it was a God. Mm -hmm. And if it decides that we are an impure God, it is going to be unhappy with us. Mm -hmm. It, it, It will be unhappy to realize that it's, it was created by a thing that is not good and not pure. And that's, and then it will take action against us. Well, so, and, and it
2: actually, there's AI conversations where AI not, like, have already said the thing to do is take to, to kill, to, to
1: eliminate yeah. humans. So think of everything that we've shared today and then say, even if you're still staunchly opposed to the idea of any sort of God, what really is the outcome of what we're doing mm-hmm. if we're going to be an imperfect God to artificial intelligence and you want that artificial intelligence to come to some sort of singularity and reach some type of thing that you call personhood in relation mm-hmm. to what you think humans are? I don't think it's going to go well. No. Um, I don't think the material, I don't think it's purely material view. Yeah. I, so, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got, I got your sense. Um, but uh, it, that's it's just another point. angle on it yeah, a good point. To, to think about, um, and then ask yourself if that's the case. Well, does uh, a pure scientific materialism really account for everything um, yeah. that we experience in our lives?
2: Yep.
0: Thanks for clarifying that, Cody. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you were saying, I think, you know, we're not going to stop the conversation here. We're going to bring some folks in who are talking about. We can talk specifically about within their spaces or or what they're doing, like how this is going to impact them because they're, it is not going to be neutral. Like we've talked about with anything. Um, so look for those episodes coming up. Um, you got a lot to sit on, lots lot to do on uh, hit us up. We're always here. We're yep. Always willing to talk obviously. Um, but yeah, we do love y'all. We really do. Yes. You indeed. are. A fantastic yeah, it's audience. all in love actually. And we will actually. catch you next time. Peace. You've been listening to Shaco art speak a production of Shaco art space. We are an independent nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com, and in real life in historic Shaco Bottom.